Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Episode 174, Legacy. Welcome into Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. I'm John Champion, Supreme Chancellor of the Coalition. And I'm Ken Ray, Chancellor Supreme of the... Uh, I'm sorry, wait, am I Alliance or Coalition? Do you have a star in your belly? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah then you're Alliance. Okay. Each week, we steal things from each other in petty attempts to annoy the other faction and keep our inexplicable rivalry alive. We also watch an episode of Star Trek, taking it apart for messages, morals, and meanings, and figuring out what, if any of it, holds up today. This week, a private little legacy. I, oh, uh, I'm sorry, it's legacy. Legacy, yeah. Yeah, just I, legacy. I see what happened there. Mm-hmm. It makes sense to me that that would happen there. It's an easy mistake to make. It's a, it's a relatively easy mistake to make. All you need to do is forget, like, you know, 40 years. Done. Done. (laughs) Who hasn't done that a night or two, huh? Hey, i got a couple of things to do before you do trivia. Actually, I've got one thing to do before you do trivia, and that's let people know how to get in touch with us. Uh, Mission Log Pod is the address to find us on Facebook, Skype, and Twitter, because, you know, you've got feedback, and we love it. So Mission Log Pod at Facebook, Skype, and Twitter is uh, how to get us some of that. You can also leave us a voicemail, 323-522-5641. That number again, 323-522-5641. Our email address is missionlog at roddenberry.com. Our show website, including discovered documents and a whole bunch of other stuff, is at missionlogpodcast.com. And please do remember that feedback that we were talking about. Yeah, we may use it on an upcoming episode of Mission Log. Thank you very much, Ken. You're welcome very much, John. And I'm going to go ahead and thank you in advance for trivia. Okay, here we go then. Today's episode, Legacy, was written by Joe Minoski. Uh, Joe worked as a story editor and writer for a few years before joining Star Trek at the beginning of the fourth season. He was the story editor on Best of Both Worlds Part 2, and Legacy is his first script produced for the show. He would stick around for a number of episodes, bring his talents to Deep Space Nine and Voyager, so there would be plenty more to say about Joe in the future. He continued his collaboration with Brandon Braga by co-producing some of the TV series Salem that Braga executive produced. Now, uh, today's episode was directed by Robert Shearer, and we've talked a few times about Robert's contributions, starting with Measure of a Man. Uh, did I mention before that he directed a lot of Love Boat plus uh, Kolchak, The Night Stalker? Because if I didn't, there they are, and uh, you'll hear more about those on our other podcasts. There's a reference in this episode at the beginning to an architect- I'm sorry, archaeological survey on Camus 2. Mm-hmm. That's where Dr. Janice Lester was based when the Enterprise found her in Turnabout Intruder. Um, also note that Turnabout Intruder was the 79th episode of the original series, and Legacy is the 80th 
episode of The Next Generation. We have Eric Stilwell to thank for sneaking in that little bit of trivia. Very clever that they do a, uh, a reference to the original series as they are, in fact, passing by the original series in number of episodes. Um, Turkana, in case you were wondering, is actually an area in Kenya. It also refers to a tribe of people there. And um, a couple of prop notes here. All that stuff in the underground um, on Turkana for uh, Borg set pieces. Just uh, take those Borg pieces, make them dusty, make them dirty, set them up at a different angles, and you've got the underground at Turkana 4. And you'll also see the reuse of Klingon pain sticks here. Uh, this time uses a, a beam-firing weapon, but those are the pain sticks that we saw before. And uh, a couple of guest stars of note here. Uh, Don Merode as uh, Hain. Now, he may not have a huge number of TV and film credits, though Though some interesting ones in there besides The Next Generation. Uh, Auto Man, The Golden Girls. Uh, he was in Miss Congeniality 2, as was, of course, William Shatner. And... Um, I don't think that his performing career uh, begins or ends there, though. It's interesting. He appeared on Broadway in a chorus line. He was in Chicago. He has performed in Vegas in the Folies Berger. And, in fact, Don's career is full of dance instruction. Uh, and, as he puts it, anywhere from cruise lines to MTV. He is a lecturer, writer, editor. He's done about everything there is that you can do in public and performing arts. And uh, Beth Toussaint as Ishara. Now, before appearing on The Next Generation, Beth had just a handful of roles, then a recurring gig on Dallas. After The Next Generation, she shows up in guest starring roles in a ton of shows, Melrose Place, The Commish, Matlock, and more. She has a voice cameo in Scream 3 and later had a recurring role on The Young and the Restless. Now, she is married to actor Jack Coleman, who was on Heroes, so there's a connection to J.J. Abrams' Star Trek via Zachary Quinto. Beth and Jack were at the premiere of Star Trek in 2009. While built relatively recently, one would need to consider Turkana 4, a bit of a fixer-upper. Let us have Ken show us around. Prologue. Troy, Worf, Data, and Riker are playing poker. While Troy and Worf are playing, Data and Riker are winning. Cleaning up! Riker says Data is getting harder and harder to bluff, and that he's getting better and better at the game. Riker then does a magic trick for Data that Data explains is not magic, just a trick, and Data takes the pot. Playtime is cut short when Captain Picard calls. They'll have to skip their original destination to enter a distress call from the Federation freighter Arcos in orbit around Turkana 4 home of the failed Federation colony and birthplace of former Enterprise security chief Tasha Yar. Things are going poorly for the Arcos. It's about to fall to Earth on Turkana 4. Or fall to Turkana on Turkana 4. Except it's a freighter, so it doesn't so much fall as explode once it hits the planet's atmosphere. Good news, though. The freighter's two inhabitants make it to an escape pod. Bad news, the pod is heading for the failed colony. Last time anyone heard from them, they said they would kill the next people who landed on their planet... Picard orders an away team slash rescue party as we head to opening credits. Act 1. Data says the colonists have gone underground. Literally. Nearly everything on the surface has been destroyed, and the colonists now live in underground settlements. Four to beam down. Dr. Crusher, Worf, Data, and Riker straight into... a fairly peaceful group of colonists. 
Oh, everything's been destroyed, but no one is hostile to the Starfleet officers. Until an alarm sounds and a group of people with flashing yellow lights on their chests run in. But they're more worried about being caught by someone themselves than they are about Riker and company. They say they may know something about the Arcos crew, though, and tell Riker and the others to follow them. The leader of the Yellow Disc people, Hain, explains that the Arcos crew is being held by the Alliance, a group that controls half the city. The Yellow Disc people are the Coalition. They control this half of the city. The Yellow Disc, by the way, they're proximity sensors. They basically keep Alliance people from getting too far into Coalition territory without being detected and vice versa. They skirmish now and again, but the sensors prevent any serious damage. That said, Hain and the Coalition would really like some phasers, please, for which they'll help the Enterprise retrieve the Arcos crew. The Alliance found a cache of weapons recently, and the Coalition just wants to keep balance of power, thus preserving the peace. Yeah, we heard about your idea of peace from a former crew member of ours, born here. But we'll head back to our ship and talk over your proposal with our captain. When they leave, Hain says he wants to know everything there is to know about this Enterprise. Back on the bridge, Riker and Worf are talking over what happened with Captain Picard. He says they sound less like a government and more like a couple of street gangs, so no trading weapons for hostages with them. It's then that a call comes from the colony below. Hain would like to introduce Ishara. Ishara Yar. She says that she is Tasha's sister. Act 2. Hain has had a change of heart. He'll help the Enterprise get back the missing Arcros crew. Eh, just because. It's better than the Enterprise giving weapons to the Alliance to get the crew back. Ishara can help. She knows her way around Alliance territory and can help them with an escape plan. Picard puts them on hold and gets reactions from senior staff. No one trusts Hain. No one's heard of Tasha's sister. They could be making that up. Even Troy can't tell that, though she does know that Hain is trying to manipulate them. Okay, but we really have little choice here. Picard says they'll play along with Hain's plan and pursue other options as they come. Data meets Ashara in the transporter room. He's to take her to the observation lounge. On the way, they talk over Tasha. Tasha, who never mentioned a sister... Ashara says she's not surprised. She also says that Tasha was a coward for leaving the colony. Data says he has never heard anyone call Tasha a coward before, and that he's sort of taken aback. For a moment, Ashara's expression reminded Data of Tasha. In the observation lounge, there is zero small talk. The crew kind of has to start with the assumption that Ashara is not Tasha's sister. She says she'll let her DNA be tested to prove it. Now, a civics lesson, Turkana 4 style. There used to be dozens of factions. The Coalition and the Alliance were the two strongest, and now they're the only ones left. The government gave the factions police powers, and surprisingly, no more government after that. Jordy expresses surprise that Tasha would leave a younger sister in this mess, though Ashara says Tasha tried to get her to leave as well. But Ashara had already joined the Coalition. They were her family. So she stayed. Now... About the Arcos crew. Whoops, hold the phone, because they're on the phone. One of the Arcos crewmen says he has a message from the Alliance. Pay some sort of fine for this Federation intrusion in the next 20 hours, or the Alliance will kill me and my pilot. Then the call goes dead. Ashara says the threat should be taken seriously, and here's more bad news. There are about 15 places they could be being held. Jordy says he could track them using machinery on the escape pod if they could find the escape pod... And Ashara says she knows where that is. 
The plan they come up with is risky. Beam Ashara into Alliance territory. Her proximity sensor will set off all kinds of alarms. While they're chasing her, Jordy can tech the tech on the space pod thing, and this sounds way too dangerous to Riker. But Ashara is insistent. He says he'll take it to the captain while Ashara has her DNA tested in sickbay. While she waits, Ashara and Data talk over Tasha's death. Then Riker comes in. The captain has approved Ashara's plan. And it goes a little something like this. Geordi, Worf, Data, and Riker are beamed to the escape pod. Ashara, armed with a phaser, is beamed away from them. Guards chase after Ashara, leaving Geordi to tech the tech and the others to defend Geordi. After a couple of minutes, O'Brien is meant to beam Ashara up, but he has trouble locking on. Riker leaves the others to go after her, ordering Worf to beam up with everyone as soon as Geordi is done. Which he does. Riker, meanwhile, stuns an Alliance guy who stunned Ashara... He grabs her, two to beam up. Act 3. Ashara has a couple of cracked ribs, but she'll be fine. Also, she is Tasha's sister. Officially, Picard chides Riker for risking too much to save Ashara. Unofficially, way to save Tasha's sister. Picard goes to thank Ashara for her performance with the away team. Ashara makes some crack about not being a coward like her sister, and Picard shuts that the heck down letting her know what an amazing and amazingly brave officer Tasha was. I'm sorry you never knew the woman Tasha became. I think you'd have been proud of her. And she of you. On the bridge, Ashara and Data are going over the Alliance layout, but Ashara gets distracted, asking about where Tasha was stationed, whether she had friends. Heck yeah, says Data, and I was one of them. He explains that while he does not have feelings, he can get used to people, kind of like humans do. His mental pathways change as a result, kind of like humans do. They become accustomed to them, anticipated, and even missed when absent. Nothing like feelings at all. In engineering, whatever Geordi did with the escape pod worked. He has located the Arcos crew, and they are way, way far underground. Geordi could dig a hole down to near where they are using the Enterprise phaser, but Ashara says they would get lost on the way. Lots of blind tunnels and dead ends. She could show them the way, ah, except her proximity sensor would give them away the second they beam down. And it can't be removed since it has this neat trick of exploding if it makes contact with air, killing its host, in this case, Ashara. But Data has an idea. A way that Dr. Crusher might be able to disarm the sensor and remove it at the same time. It's risky. Riker says Ashara will have to decide for herself. In 10 Forward, Ashara is sharing more about Tasha with Data. Her attitude toward her sister is obviously softening. She even seems envious of Tasha's time on the Enterprise. Her friends. She says she considers Data her friend now. And Data says he would like to consider Ashara a friend as well. If only she'd had some idea that something like the Enterprise and its crew were possible 15 years ago. But maybe it's not too late. Cut to Data talking to Picard and Troy with two bits of news. One, Ashara has agreed to have the proximity sensor removed. And two, Ashara wants to join Starfleet. Troy isn't sure she really does. So Picard says it is Ashara's right. And it's her call. Data heads back to the bridge to tell Ashara that everything's a go. She says she owes it to Hain and the others to tell of her decision to leave. Data says she could call him private in the observation lounge. And that is how he and everyone else missed the fact that Ashara has been playing them. It's working, she tells Hain. 
Act 4. Dr. Crusher has successfully removed Ashara's implant. No more proximity alerts and potential chest explosions for her. She gives Data the implant as a keepsake. Everyone has warmed to Ashara, even Worf. Now, to get the crew of the Arcos. Jordy digs a 1.6-kilometer hole with the Enterprise phasers. Worf, Data, Riker, and Ashara beam down. Ashara leads them to the chamber where the Arcos crew is being held, and she is separated from the rest. She shoots a guard, though he's able to set off an alarm before dying. Now Worf is to get the Arcos crewmen to the Enterprise while Riker and Data go after Ashara. Ashara, who is setting an Alliance fusion generator to overload. Do that and the Alliance detection system will fail, and the Coalition can come in and kill the members of the Alliance. This was the plan all along. Data says he cannot let that happen. Ashara says he has no choice. She says she doesn't want to kill him. But, she says, raising a phaser, I will. Act 5. Eh, she's waffling on the whole killing Data thing. Why don't you just get out of here? Data says he has to stop her, and she fires on Data. Perhaps just a warning shot, since she misses at about seven feet. Riker distracts her, she fires at him, then Data stuns Ashara with his phaser. Data stops the overload, and Riker finds that Ashara's phaser had been set to kill. On the bridge, Picard is in communication with Hain. He demands Ashara's return, though Riker says, She attacked two Federation officers, and who do you think you... He's silenced, though, by Picard, who orders Data to escort Ashara to the transporter room. Riker's surprised, though Picard doesn't blame Ashara. He blames all of them for wanting so much to see Tasha in Ashara that they didn't see what was actually going on. In the transporter room, Ashara apologizes for hurting Data, but he reminds her that being an android, he can't be hurt that way. She also says she wasn't always lying. He was the closest thing to a friend that she's ever had. Days later, Data's talking over Ashara with Riker. He can't get her out of his head. Riker explains, In all trust, there is the possibility of betrayal. But one still trusts, because without it, there's no friendship. No closeness. None of the emotional bonds that make us who we are. Data says perhaps he is fortunate to be spared the emotional consequences, but he's carrying Ashara's implant as he walks away. The end. All right, Ken, before we get going, the really the most important thing yeah. that I can think of to discuss about this episode, the, the, the elephant in the room, um, we have to talk about the hair. <laughs> to me, to hair me was it, something, it's, man. it's the most magnificent 80s hair I have seen since the Flock of Seagulls, maybe hmm. since Lamal from Kajagugu. Okay. Um, she, I, uh, Beth Toussaint, the, the character Ishara, I, could not be more fabulous if she were a Patrick Nagel painting that had come to life, put on a Walkman playing the bangles <laughs> and wearing a Frankie Says Relax t-shirt. Oh, uh, I'll get a correction on one thing. What's that? It's Frankie Say. Frankie Say? What? <laughs> Frankie no. Say. Yeah. Yeah, Frankie Say, relax. Uh, Fra I was Frankie. a huge Frankie Goes to Hollywood fan, dude. Don't even with me. <laughs> yeah, her hair is something, but uh, she does have the same ratty wardrobe that every failed state has. It's kind of weird. Her mm -hmm. hair is perfect. Not, not necessarily yeah, yeah. a... Uh, and when I say perfect, I'm not saying it's a style that anyone, you know, should ever wear again, ever. But but I mean it's it's meticulous. It's it's so well it's so well put together. It's so well quaffed. I would say. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they, they nothing like a dry cleaner. Oh, hairstylist they got. Right. Dry right. cleaner is not so much. 
Right, right. I had to get that out of the way up front. Because yeah. I, I, it, maybe it's one thing that kind of dates the episode a mm. little. Um, but Although it wasn't the 80s. It was the 90s. So, I mean, she was actually, uh, you know, yeah, she was actually true. calling back a tiny bit there. And there's a little bleed over. Maybe. Thank goodness yeah. there was no neon. That's the only, Well, except for the things that flashed in their chests. Right. But, you know, <laughs> there it was wasn't really, that. Yeah. It wasn't really neon. It was just, you know, it was bright. But it's great at parties. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, that's a little later. A little later. Yeah, that's later. true. Yeah. Um, is the whole poker thing starting to annoy you at all? I, it, it doesn't bother me, but I wonder if uh, the, this is a good or a bad thing to have it come back so often. Like we had 3D chess mm-hmm. a couple of times in the original series, and then it kind of went away. And only one time was it actually discussed what they were doing. Um, so I, I wonder, I mean, we're kind of early on still, early season four, still got a bit of a ways to go with next gen. And I just wonder if, um, I don't know, I, I, I kind of wondered if it's one of those things where the writers say, well, we don't know how to start this episode. Um, why don't we just put them in a poker game again? I think it's a, it's a better thing, though, than chess. I, no, I think it's, mm-hmm. I, honestly, I think it's a good device. The only, well, there are two things that bother me about the poker game now. Uh, mm-hmm. First of all, we had somebody write in a while ago saying, how is it that Troy is allowed to play? You know, what with her being an empath and being able to read everybody's emotions. I mean, the one person that she should not be able to beat or the one being that she shouldn't be able to beat is Data, right? But everybody else, I mean, she should be taking the pot every time unless Data is playing. Uh, And, of course, the other thing that bothers me is I don't know what they're playing for. I say taking the pot, but, I mean, is it money? Is it chores? What is it that they're doing? (laughs) And then why is Data happy about it and I know he's not happy because he doesn't have emotions except he's obviously pleased with himself for like you know taking the whole pot from Riker oh yeah after oh, yeah. whatever that trick was I, I, I did find myself I, I, I kind of found myself liking the idea because you know they're tokens and they're whatever um, uh, that there's like a like a, uh, some big counter on the Enterprise you know mm-hmm. where they trade in the poker chips for you know like a like an Enterprise baseball and a couple of pencil toppers or something, you know, like <laughs> right, it, like, right. like like the galaxy's best Chuck E. Cheese. Oh, 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 oh! That that's where the Chinese finger trap came from. It could well be, yes, <laughs> yeah, uh, right. with with yeah. the same you know crappy prizes right. <laughs> that every right. Chuck E. Cheese and uh, and Showbiz Pizza before it was famous for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a good idea. Yeah, it just it, it usually seems like a setup for a joke, you know. So uh, an android and an empath and a blind guy are all playing poker. Yeah, and he wasn't there though, was he? No, he wasn't. Was he Worf. wasn't. Just, yeah, no, yeah, no. an android, an empath, and a Klingon. Yeah, right. An yeah, angry Klingon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Don't play with that. I never and, get and the actually, inside straight or whatever yeah, it was he yeah. was going for. Yeah, and and you know, going back to the Deanna thing, reading. Uh, what's happening it, is a poker face still a poker face when you're playing with a non-emotional android well he makes faces so many other times he does i'm gonna say yes okay his complete lack of affect uh which which almost never happens last time we saw him look so still actually was when he was sitting in um when he was sitting in the chair and uh and mm-hmm. in, in the most toys right yeah right right yeah he he really brought it. He brought the the poker face by leaving um, it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I I want to move on to something else. Speaking of Worf, mm-hmm. um, his concern about Doctor Crusher beaming down to Turkana Four, which I left out of the recap. Yeah, yeah, there was a whole fight between them. Like, and the reason I left it out of the recap is it goes nowhere. Yeah, I mean it yeah. it it 
She's I, not in danger when they get there. Did they need to anybody else. fill a minute? I mean, what happened yeah. there exactly? Or is this just a tiny little bit more about their character? It's very strange, though, because he is the security. So does she outrank him? Because um, he is oh, yeah. chief of security, yeah. and she's like, well, I'm going. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, right. and Riker's finally like, look, they might, be, they might need immediate medical attention, so we need to go ahead and take her. Mm-hmm. But it was sort of like, I mean, yeah, because he's worried that she won't be able to handle herself in this hostile environment that, you know, last they heard from Tasha Yar is the most hostile environment ever. They're like right. Reavers from uh, from uh, you know, the Firefly universe. Right. Um, just I mean, Somebody's going to try to kill him the second they beam in. And that was actually the last message from the planet, too. Next time somebody lands here, they're dead. Oh, yeah, uh, well, we're- yeah, we, we should talk about this in the next segment for sure. I got a lot of questions about what's going on in that colony. All right. All right. So, hey, I have, uh, a, I have a question actually about uh, – well, maybe we'll sure. talk about this more in the next segment, although I think not. Why did mm-hmm. the factions only destroy the stuff that was above ground? Uh, yeah, see, <laughs> bad planning. Or did they destroy everything above ground? They're like, well, now where are we going to stay? We better dig some tunnels. I mean, or were the tunnels there before, and why is that? I mean, as you mentioned, things are a little dirty, mm-hmm. you know, but they, things are not completely decimated as they are above ground. Maybe it was a, an aesthetic decision, like, let, let's let keep the surface kind of minimal, <laughs> and it'll be sort of unkempt looking. It'll be like, it'll be like having a natural garden. Yeah, you know, I wanna, we really don't... Uh, I want to give it sort of a Planet of the Apes, Logan's Run feel above ground, and, yeah, uh, well, kind yeah. of a Planet of the Apes, Logan's Run feel below ground, now that I think about it, so, <laughs> so go ahead and take down... Why don't we take out this wall, and this wall, and all those walls, <laughs> and then we're on just, our way. Just spray. It'd be like uh, in the haunted mansion at Disneyland. We just spread dust everywhere <laughs> to really make it look like it's been used quite a bit. Yeah. Um, actually, I thought that matte painting. It was a good matte painting. Yeah. Um, I, I thought it looked like uh, the destroyed old Chicago from uh, Buck Rogers. It, it kind of had that feel to it. Um, anyway, all right. So here's an idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got an idea for Starfleet. Put this in the curriculum. Yeah. When you give a phaser to someone you don't know. Don't make it the phaser that you can set to kill. See, it's interesting to me that you think that there are phasers that you can't set to kill. I, I would think that would probably be a good weapon to have. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, particularly if you are, uh, if there is a risk yeah. that that phaser might get into the hands of Or I tell you what, you know, how about. Um, if you've got a phaser that sets off an alarm when you fire it in the kitchen, <laughs> you know. That's true. Well, that was that was an old ship, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They might have gotten yeah, rid of that on the new ship. That that might have gotten lost with the uh, with the dead body detector. Yeah, you're gonna <laughs> save a little bit of money. Here's here's the question I have. Speaking of phasers, Jordy's mm-hmm. is like, okay, so we can't beam down to where these guys are, but we could if we dug a hole that was 1.6 meters deep. Mm-hmm. And Card's like, that sounds awesome. So, so then he's like, okay, so so fire up the hole digger, uh, the phaser, and and Jordy's like, uh, we're at one point four, one point five, one point six, and Picard says, all right, stop digging. And I kind of wanted Jordy to go, well, actually, we're at like one point nine now, because <laughs> <laughs> right. maybe it should have been a standing order that when you get to one point six, stop. Shh. Yeah, because if you're waiting for me, like, what if right. somebody had rushed in and said, "Captain, I gotta," and Jordy's in the back, like, "Oh, we're at three point seven. Yeah, no, we're <laughs> at nine point two. Oh man, is that magma? 
Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. And uh, last question for you, Ken. Yeah. Does data have pockets? Uh, Has he just been walking around for days with that locator implant in his right hand? Oh, um, I don't know. He came to Riker to talk about his feelings mm-hmm. around Dashara. So maybe he like just picked it up on his way there. Maybe not, though. Maybe he's got like a little... Doesn't he have a like maybe something... Sort of like the $6 million man doll had when we were kids, you know? Mm. Maybe he could like roll up the skin on his arm, stuff things there. Oh, it's... There's the, uh, there's the locator chip. There's a snack for later. Right. All yeah, kinds yeah. of things just walking around with. The Alliance and the Coalition may seem like silly, generic names for ruling bodies on a planet until one remembers the biggest ruling body is the Federation. Just a moment ago, Ken, you were talking about what was going on at the colony at Chicana 4. And really, of all the things we could talk about in this episode, I, I, I think I got a little fixated on the history of Chicana 4. Mm. I mean, really, that I, every time I watched this episode, I kept hunting through the dialogue for clues about what was going on here, what had happened here. Mm-hmm. I, I was fascinated and horrified at what I could pick up about the history. We always ask what's going on in the future, that so many people want to leave Earth and colonize other worlds. And that all may be for very good or for very bad reasons. I mean, you could name a lot of good reasons. Say, hey, well, maybe just Earth's resources are depleted and it's a good idea to kind of move the population outward. Um, it, it could be for political reasons. It could be for just trying a social experiment. All kinds of good and interesting reasons to do that. Um, but regardless of what those reasons are, it seems that whenever we catch up with colonists – there is something terrible going on. <laughs> and maybe, maybe it's just because that's the nature of Star Trek, that, that at least in the next generation, and at least with the original series, you were focused on one ship going from place to place each week. And, and the drama is what's going on. You know, right. they're, they're only going to go to the places where there is something going on. Not like, oh, everything's fine here at Takana 4. Here are some cookies. <laughs> Everything is awesome. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> right. So... But whenever we catch up with them, it, it, it's not a good scene. Here are some and, cookies. <laughs> yeah, well. It's great. You know. Sorry. Yeah. Um, Come for this. the colonists. Stay for the cookies. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, the, this, colony, this colony might be the worst. Um, hmm. in, in 15 years, well, well, be, be, somewhere between 15 and 30 years, because they said that 30 years ago is when things started to come apart. Yeah. Um, we weren't from cities. Okay, see the ruins up top to a very complex underground civilization and constantly warring factions. Um, the, the whole proximity detector thing uh, is disturbing. I, so far, we haven't met anybody else in, uh, in Starfleet that has that. And, and no, I understand that we have communicators, which you can take off, and which apparently are pretty limited because they can't tell you if somebody's even dead or not, and they certainly don't explode when right. you take them off. Um, they cut off ties with the Federation, which just seems like a bad idea from the get-go. Um, 
and they will kill anyone who beams down or who lands on their planet, which seems really in the extreme as far as reactions to have. Um, so I'm left with this idea that we have not been able to wipe out some of these terrible traits that hold humanity back. And that is one of the big ideas about Star Trek here is that we, we've gotten past so many of these things that have held humanity back for, for centuries. Uh, tribalism, greed, competition, uh, this misplaced pride, the, the, this, this hubris that makes people do terrible things in the name of their tribe or their country, their group, wh whatever it may be. And I guess I'm just fascinated by all the questions that come up when you paint a picture of a place going so badly, so fast, even with all these resources available to them. Mm -hmm. I mean, they started out as people, presumably, and they, they could have been from elsewhere too, but presumably they started out as people from Earth who had... Well, Picard actually said it was an Earth colony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we assume that most people are there from Earth. Like, there weren't other people just popping in you know but but who knows it, it could have been some additional and they had the technology to get there mm -hmm. they were raised in federation era earth so there are certain values that uh that at least for a generation ago um were were pretty well instilled pretty well agreed upon um so then is the colony just a thing where we're really getting rid of the riffraff at that point you know, like, oh, well, you, you don't, uh, you know, describe to the whole uh, peace and uh, prosperity for all thing. Okay, well, here's a nice planet for you, mm -hmm. you know, 10, 15, 100 light years away. Go, go enjoy that. Um, <laughs> but th this has raised a, a tremendous number of questions for me that, that I thought were more interesting than, than the actual story going on in this episode. Um, the gang warfare apparently started 30 years ago um, and multiple gangs until there were only two of those factions left. So they wiped out every other gang. They, they killed each other into submission. Hmm. Um, and, and there was, I, I understand that there was some attempt within this episode to do some kind of commentary, something about gang warfare in the present day. You know, okay, so the the rise of gangs in the seventies, eighties, and of course into the nineties. But I, I I don't know that this episode was really about that. But but certainly I was left with all of these all of these questions about this Gene Roddenberry Federation full future, mm -hmm. and what happened to these poor people on Turkana Four. There are a couple of things that are really interesting to me about about that. Um, first of all, the fact that Gene Roddenberry did, I mean, this was a, a, he wrote Tasha. This was a Federation colony or an Earth colony anyway. And so while you and I have talked, especially as we go like in the, later into season three and into season four, how we've talked about how they've kind of gotten away from Gene's ideas and ideals that, you know, we're going to get past all this stuff. And so we visit aliens who have these problems that humans used to have, but he was trying to keep humans from having those problems. Mm -hmm. And yet he wrote this colony of humans <laughs> that, mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. I, I mean, from the people who brought you rape gang, right? I mean, this this was yeah. not this. I mean, he wrote this very um, dystopian, falling apart, fallen apart disaster colony. And that's kind of weird to me because everything else that we've heard is he kind of wanted to present a humanity that was beyond all of this stuff. 
what what I really find fascinating, though, is that you find this fascinating because I was frustrated by the fact that we're given absolutely no reason for the fighting between the alliance and the coalition. I mean, they There's, fight they fight because they do. I mean, well, well, yeah, I mean, but that, that that's uh, another question to add to my long list of questions because it goes back to this question about why are these people like this? What what is this? It, you know, look, we started season one with people on the bridge in the Enterprise saying. France? What's France? We haven't heard of countries. <laughs> we, 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 what is this, this flag that you talk of? You know? yeah. So, yeah, I, I absolutely wanted to know what the fighting was about. I mean, I guess you could make the point that as a piece of social commentary, when you get to that point in the story, the fighting is irrelevant and uh, or, or the the reason for the fighting is irrelevant kind of goes back to a taste of armageddon mm-hmm. well we've been at war for hundreds of years just because we are this yeah. is what we do um and maybe it's not the enterprise's mission to solve what the 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 actual cause of that was i'm just disturbed that it has happened at all and in such a short period of time not because star trek doesn't have war not because it doesn't have fighting but again, this is an Earth Federation colony. Yeah. What the hell happened? <laughs> you know? Um, and how so is it not somebody's crack- responsibility off the colony? Like, how how is the Federation or how is Starfleet not doing something? Yeah. <laughs> about yeah, right. This? It's like, right. oh, well, yeah, we, boy, we messed up there, huh? And you can make an excuse. You you can say, well, okay, they told the Federation that they wanted to cut off all communications. It should have been your first sign of warning right there. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, but I guess what are those laws like? That somebody back at the Federation on office, uh, uh, Federation office at Earth says, uh, oh, well, um, I guess we can't <laughs> talk to them anymore. If they were uh, Federation, yeah. But yeah. 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 Huh. Uh, I, I, or, yeah, yeah, Federation office, you know. And, and what do we do? So we block them on social media. We don't answer <laughs> any calls. We just pretend like it didn't happen. I don't know. Uh, because, again, those people probably had relatives. Yeah. I, it just, I, I'm probably making more of this than I should. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's, I mean, it's strange to me because this isn't even a private little war. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, yeah. we were given to understand, boy, the futility of that, huh? Although this really seems to be more of a character study. This seems to be more about, wow, how was everybody duped? And and quick aside, by the way, I honestly thought Troy was about to yell at Picard because Picard's telling Riker, look, it's, you know, we can't really blame Ashara. We all wanted to see too much. And for some reason, we're on Troy's face mm-hmm. when that speech is being made. And Troy's the one who's the whole time has been like, I don't know. <laughs> and yet Picard's like, no, no, no. It was all of us. It was all of us, counselor. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not yeah, sure. Right, right. Um there were actually there were here was what I found myself wondering, or, or really there were a few things uh, that I was wondering. Um they center though on the M plants, right? Mm-hmm. Um first of all, has the Enterprise just handed the coalition of victory by sending Ashara back without her M plant? Um, because, yeah, right, right, because right. I mean, because that was part of the whole thing. Like, we'll take your implant out, and then we'll be able to beam right in, and they won't even know you're there. And then later, they're like, "Okay, well, we're going to go ahead and send you back." And uh, it, it, sorry, it didn't work out. Did we forget anything? Now it would have been hilarious if they'd been <laughs> like, "Hey, before you go, we gotta we get we gotta put your implant back in because mm-hmm. you know you caused trouble last time." Um, so I'm kind of wondering if if they've if they've really just 
if they're just prolonging, maybe they just should have gone ahead and killed the alliance for the coalition because I think they've kind of set that up. And the other thing that I wonder about is is nobody having kids because I assume that they're not implanting the kids with the with the little things, right? Uh, well, well, the I implants. Maybe, well, I don't know. Maybe that you mentioned Logan's Run earlier. Maybe, maybe that happens in kind of an automated way now from birth, where it is. Oh, yeah, here. What? Uh, you're a human now, so you get an implant. Who would do that though? Because they all obviously don't want them. They want to keep fighting. It's only mm-hmm. mutually assured destruction, I think, or uh, or just destruction. Maybe that keeps them, you know, from actually going in and killing each other. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Leaving off the kid question, though, I did find myself what the duty, uh, trying to figure out what the duty of the Enterprise is in this whole situation. Kind of what you were talking about a minute ago, especially especially once the whole thing falls apart. Mm-hmm. So it turns out Ashara can't be trusted. Okay, well Ashara can't be trusted. So now we've got her, and what do we, they do with her? I mean, they can't really kidnap her. They can't put the implant back in, although I do think that would have been hilarious. (laughs) But, I mean, otherwise, they really just totally upset the balance of power by removing the only thing that kept them, you know, from blowing each other up. I mean, mean, you asked the question of what was their duty, you know, what was the Federation's duty to the colony? What was Picard's duty to Turkana for? Because he's really introduced now a completely unknown quantity. And you can't even say that she's going to go back and be better now for what happened here because for some reason in her 20-something years of life, she's never had anything like a friend. There's, I don't even understand how these cadres work exactly. What is it that makes you want to join one? Because she's telling data and maybe we actually have to then question whether anything she's telling data is actually true. She's telling data that she's never had anything like a friend, that the time that she spent talking to him – in 10 forward was the closest thing to friendship that she's ever had. So why mm-hmm. does she, so what does she care about the Alliance then? What does she care about the coalition? What does she care about any of it? Right. I mean, right. if there's no like a cult of personality around the leader, if there's no, well, I was, you know, I was sick and they clothed me. I was, I was you know, or, or naked and they clothed me. I was sick and they healed me. I mean, if there's no, if, if there's been no return, then why, why does she even, why does she even care? Well, that could also just be a survival tactic. I mean, you you will live longer if you are a part of this gang. Well, if it's just a survival, t- you, if it's just know? a survival tactic, though, wouldn't you have something more like the mirror universe? Like, yeah, I used to be with that guy, and then somebody stronger came along and killed him. So now I'm with mm-hmm. this guy, but I'm looking for a chance to kill him too because I want somebody to kill me because I'm so powerful. I mean, well, it, maybe it, maybe that happens. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> just another maybe unanswered so. question yeah. about Turkana. There are actually dozens of factions. Three weeks ago, it's, it's really weird. <laughs> right, you think right. it broke down fast? It really took a turn. Yeah, not yeah. long ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, and actually, well, you brought up something that I had as a note here, too, wondering if everything with Ishara is a lie. So her scene with Data is great. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it is – it plays very well as a scene, but it also plays very well when you go back and rewatch it after you know the reveal, mm-hmm. after you know what's actually going on in the episode. Um, uh, planning the idea of her joining Starfleet, uh, everything else, you know, Deanna says – she senses ambiguity but i think that ambiguity is a well-chosen word for that because otherwise diana would have said as she did about uh, hayne well he's being deceitful you know but she doesn't say that about ishara so we're not leading the audience to uh too much in that case so the question then becomes could she actually change her life 
mm-hmm. because Star Trek wants us to believe so. Star Trek always wants us to believe that the the well placed Kirk speech or the the right set of of circumstances and events can lead somebody to make a better choice and to be a better person. Right. Um, but Deanna says again that Ishara's loyalties are torn, and she even questions Data's motivation. You know, Deanna, who shouldn't get any kind of reading at all off of Data, <laughs> you know, because he's not an emotional being, at least a biological being that she can read. Well, that's so, why she has to question his motivation. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. otherwise he would have walked out and she would have been like, yeah, nah, Data's getting a little attached. I mean, <laughs> right. I mean, right. she can't read anything off of him. And so then she has to ask the questions like, yeah. why? Yeah. 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 Um. So that that last shot of data, mm-hmm. and uh, and we obviously touched on. I love that you touched on it in your uh, your recap. Um, is this an emotional reaction? And again, they they chose to end this episode where they did. Well, and actually, I, I look at it as two ending scenes. You have the ending scene of the transporter room, mm-hmm. and you have the ending scene, the little epilogue. Uh, uh, of data with Riker and then stepping out into the corridor with the, uh, the implant. Um, just like they let the reaction shot linger while data was telling Kivas Fajo that he has no emotions. Mm-hmm. Oh, humans, you are being played by this Android. <laughs> okay. I, that, that was the coldest moment in that episode and it was another equally cold moment in this episode when Ishara is about to beam back down to Turkana 4. She, I, I, you know, I go back to my previous question, is everything with her a lie? Even when she says to Data, I really meant part of that and I, I really meant that about you being a friend and he doesn't even give her the satisfaction of feeling bad that's it's so cold and it's so well played um data here is the one who mentions memories being the way that people live on after death or earlier on you know so that that's uh, a human thing that data has picked up because otherwise data is the one who like dr crusher would just say oh no yeah we we've got our dna in the computer here yeah <laughs> you know that that's a data answer to that question well we've already seen data do this answer a few times though he did it with lol and he did it with sung Yep. Right? Yep. I mean, yeah, I remember yep. you, so you will live on. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. not really. For you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like the living on where I actually get to live. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, yeah, yeah. thanks. Thanks for the yeah. memories. For a character that was not even on the show for a full season, a lot seems to hinge on Tasha Yar. Well, this cute little conversation we have has been cute, John, but i got to get back to stealing things from you, mm-hmm. and generally speaking, being a thorn in your side. Before I do, though, um, I think we should probably address uh, what happened in this episode, you know, the whole messages, morals, meanings thing that we do, and, and figuring out whether the episode holds up. Uh, legacy, John, does this episode hold up as far as you're concerned? Well, for the most part, yes. Um I, I'm not sure if we should be paying more attention to the political story or to the Data and Ashara relationship story and what that means about him. But I guess if I'm still having that debate in my head, then it, it must mean that there's something worthwhile 
in both storylines. Um, this is the episode where Data has his heart broken. See also Skin of Evil, the Offspring Brothers, etc. Um, <laughs> oh, but this is the episode with that. Yeah, right, right, right. This is the episode where we we grapple with whether or not Data has emotions. You know. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I also really like uh, Beth Toussaint in this, but I probably already said that before, and not just about the hair. Um, she's got a kind of Linda Hamilton from T2 vibe. She's, she's tough. She's a bit mysterious. Uh, there's a lot that I like about her portrayal. And I do like the idea that it, it opens questions about uh, Tasha as well. You can kind of fill in the blanks about Tasha's journey based on what we learn of her from, uh, from Ashara. So there are all kinds of things that I like there. I, there are some things that I don't like. I mean, maybe it would have been interesting to know more about the nature of the fighting, but, but maybe that was a choice. Maybe it was just like, well, we've gotten this far and here's where these warring factions are. So now it's just up to the Enterprise crew to solve their one problem and not worry about the others. But I do, I do have a bit of a concern like you do that there may be planting a weapon back in Turkana 4 by leaving Ashara there without her locator. Yeah, it, it does give an unfair advantage, but then where have we ever seen the Enterprise crew give an unfair advantage to one side or the other? See also Kirk violating the Prime Directive all the time. So overall, I, I think it works. There are some things that are dated. There are unanswered questions here. But overall, I think it works pretty well. How about you? Uh, it's not terrible, but it's not awesome. It's fine. Mm -hmm. um, like I said in the last segment, where it falls apart for me is Ashara has no friends, so I don't understand why she cares. I don't understand why she's fighting. Mm -hmm. And if we assume that her case is typical, then I don't understand why anybody is fighting or why the factions hold together. Why wouldn't it actually go down to even smaller fiefdoms again? I mean, she says there were there were dozens of these cadre or, or or groups or whatever and it you know boiled down to the two strongest but i don't see how it is that they hold up exactly she says the reason that she didn't leave with tasha was because she had already joined the coalition they were her family well no tasha was her family and tasha was trying to get to something better i mean we don't have a we don't have a, a klingon warrior race here we don't have a this guy takes care of me thing i mean she actually says nobody does anything in any of the coalitions you know unless they're getting something out of it right Right, right. Which is why she's so bowled over by what's happening on the Enterprise. All of these people working together for something besides war. But we don't even know why the war is happening. So, I mean, th that part of it kind of falls apart for me. And I'm uh, done with the does Data have emotions thing. He does. <laughs> and I don't mean to say I'm done with it. I mean, it's always still going to be sort of a fascinating idea. Although, again... I'm just getting more and more fascinated by why we're so fascinated by it. And I don't mean you and me personally. I mean people mm -hmm. in general. He describes – he's he, he – <laughs> so you can have friends? Oh, yeah. Even humans don't have to be emotional to have friends. I mean Data says. He says yeah, it's, it, you become used to someone. And, and, and you become so used to them that your brain just like is wired for it. And then even even if you don't emotionally care – once they're missing, you miss something. Mm -hmm. But Data doesn't have emotions. I mean, I think he's making a perfect case. I mean, you could you could make a case that neither do I. 
I don't mean me personally. I mean people. I mean he's he's making a case for how this whole thing works, and so this you know this this magical idea that there's that there's something more to you know how I miss someone as opposed to how data misses someone. He has emotions. Either he has emotions or none of us do. Well, and, and it's funny because data. Data has a friendship with Ishara, but Data is crushing hard on Ishara. And, and believe I get it. <laughs> I totally get it. But uh, that is a very short period of time for a very intense bond to have formed. Um, and he even says it, the other part of that, what you're describing about missing somebody, he even says that he anticipates the other person. Yeah. You, know, you want that person to be around. Here's, here's data describing a cup of coffee. Okay. Uh, well, it, it's a, a ceramic mug and uh, there's a brown colored uh, water that is a suspension of uh, uh, flavors and chemicals from a bean that has been roasted and there's caffeine in it and it has a pleasing aroma. It's not coffee. I, it, don't call it coffee, but but that's what it is that I'm drinking. It's like, well, well, data. It's 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 coffee. Nope, nope. Don't call it coffee. No, because he he doesn't believe that coffee exists, and that's what I'm saying. That his uh, his take on friendship is. It's like, well, data. Here, here's your friend, and uh, you guys are doing friend things. You sit around in the bar and you talk and you you care about each other. Nope, nope we're we're, oh, we're not friends. That's no. just the that's just the positrons firing in my. My positronic brain. He doesn't. Saying, he doesn't deny that he can have friends. He's saying there doesn't have to be anything emotional about that. No. Well, yeah, but. <laughs> well, no. I mean, that, that's why. That's why I say I'm. I'm. I'm almost done with the whole emotion question where data is concerned. Because yeah. I mean, I I can't say it any more clearly. Either he has them or none of us do. And you can you can honestly make a case for me that none of us do. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we can have that discussion if you want to. Uh, I, I don't want to today, but I mean, I'm not. I'm not being flip when I say that. I mean, either either he has emotions or we don't. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and and then we have to. You know, that's like probably. I would imagine there are actually philosophers who talk about that. I'm gonna Some... st- I'm gonna stay away from them though because that'll <laughs> hurt my head. Uh, what about so? Uh, have we stumbled into the messages part, or are there more like sort of blatant messages that you want to hit? No, I, I think there's some maybe challenging and may, maybe a little disturbing messages mm-hmm. in this episode. Um, so what, what messages did Data learn? Uh, that people can be deceitful? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, at, at the end, you, you, you hit it, the, uh, the conversation with Riker. Um, in all trust, there's a possibility of betrayal. Uh, but I guess you weren't prepared for that. Um, which I thought, well, hey, Riker, have you met Data's brother? Because uh, maybe, we should, maybe we should talk about that. And then uh, Data says, well, then it is better not to trust. Well, that, that's a, a bit of a challenge, you know. Um, even, even Data being deceived um, and, and maybe Data being able to logically put things together – he can still uh, well here we go back to the 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 word to describe data about feelings or emotion he can have mixed feelings about them mm-hmm. he he can have that mixed feeling that says that well ishara did something wrong <laughs> she played him but he still anticipated and missed her at the same time it's a really challenging moment for data i think i thought that was interesting um is there another message in here, or, or maybe not a message, but kind of uh, an undercurrent 
But something like Ashara can't be changed. That that's that's kind of an unfortunate thing. Because like I said, Star Trek has has tried to show us examples of where people can behave better than they think they can. Yeah. You know? Um and then at the end, Picard says, uh, perhaps the fault lies in ourselves. Um, so maybe there's a message there not to be blinded by sentiment, which I don't think is, uh, is a bad message necessarily, but, but maybe it's unfortunate that we, we do have to be on guard like that, and maybe this is the moment where this crew dropped their guard to an unfortunate extent. Um, so... So we will be betrayed, we will be disappointed, but like Riker, we should keep putting ourselves out there because maybe in those moments that you do form a real bond, a real friendship, it's it's worth it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, what else? Um, well, first of all, I'm going to jump the timeline in a big way here. There was a lot about, and the more we talk about it, the more evident it is to me. There's a lot about Ashara that reminds me of uh, Seven. Mm-hmm. Um. And down to her practically flat affectation or whatever, yeah. you know. Um, and also the fact that she goes from <laughs> dressing like a pile of parts uh, <laughs> to that skin tight thing back right. to the. I mean, honestly, it's almost like somebody went back and watched this episode and thought, okay, so that's. Okay, so, so, so look at this and do that. Um, it feels like there. And, and that actually, I mean, forgive me, the reason I'm tying those two together also is because Seven has to work to break her conditioning. And conditioning is about the only thing that I can see that Ashara has uh, that makes her part of the Alliance. Or is it the Coalition? She's part of the Coalition. It's right. the only thing I see that makes her part of the Coalition because there's no, there's no friends, family, love, any of that stuff. She calls them family, but that then goes back to what we talked about in Brothers or what we talked about in. Um, you know, other episodes like, oh, well, you got to love your family. Well, mm-hmm. they're not even family, but uh, she's got to love them. It also goes to the whole thing about Data and Lore. Data's the only one who's actually able to see past Lore, right? Even though yeah. they look exactly alike, Data ought to be like, I mean, since the first time you met Lore, because the first time he's like, oh, I have a brother. Oh, I don't like my brother. <laughs> <laughs> he's terrible. Maybe he's not even my brother. He just kind of looks like me. It feels like there could be a message here about preconceived notions. Ashara, you know, Thought her sister was a coward. Mm-hmm. And she finds out a couple of things about her time on the Enterprise. First, that her sister wasn't a coward. And second, that friendship is an actual thing. And so she comes to respect her sister a bit more. At the same time, everybody else is like, oh, she's a Yar. And we love the last Yar we had. So this one's fine, too. Oh, <laughs> turns out maybe not. So, right. I mean, there's I would say there's there's definitely a message here about... I found myself thinking of that horrible gloss in those, you know, trust but verify thing. But, I mean, mm-hmm. kind of, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, mm-hmm. don't – I mean, yes, open yourself up to other people. Know that there is the possibility of being hurt. Don't just assume that because somebody looks like a thing that they are that thing. But at the same time, don't don't close yourself off from it. I mean, it really is interesting that at the end of it, Riker's like, yeah, that sucked. But you know what? Sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, and and yeah, the yeah. times that it's not terrible make the terrible times bearable. Except uh, in the case of your brother Data, still yeah. do not trust that guy. Or in the case of your dad Riker, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Ah, Ouch! Well, you know, too soon. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> and and I guess there's no. I mean, there's no clear cut message. I don't think. 
unless it's the whole preconceived notion thing. I mean, would you say that the uh, this might even be a silly uh, episode to ask whether it holds up because it's only going to be true for some people. Some people get their heart broken and it stays broken. And so I okay. don't think that they would say that that message holds up, but then other people get their heart broken and they fall in love again. And then, you know, so they would say it doesn't, it would. Sure. It's a series of sort of unfortunate human realities, <laughs> you know, mm. that, that people do get their hearts broken and they get uh, deceived and, and then they put themselves back out there again and hope that it doesn't happen the next time, you know. Um, so that, that, that's what Data learned yeah. in this episode. So for, for Data, does it hold up? Well, well sure. I mean, it, but again, you know, Data is the guy who was telling his father, uh, don't trust this guy. <laughs> trust this other guy. No, oh, wait, you're, you're talking to him. I just said, don't trust this other guy. What did you say? A series of unfortunate human what? Uh, realities. Yeah, this is why I'm looking forward to your uh, your love boat podcast. <laughs> yeah, right. Three love stories. It starts off, things are great. Gets to the middle, things aren't great. Gets to the end, things are great again. See, is it you know the, yeah. the happy ending for everybody, but uh, but not for Data here, who will just be haunted by the memory of Ishara. Well, until he forgets her in the next episode. Hey. <laughs> Want to let everybody know that Mission Log is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry. You can find out more about all the work that Roddenberry is doing at roddenberry.com. Now, for more exciting Star Trek podcasts, be sure to check out Trek FM. That is Trek.FM. And for the latest in Star Trek news and discussion, be sure to visit trekmovie.com. Next week, Reunion. Some of the music for Mission Log provided by Warp 11, online at warp11.com, and from the album Messages, by Key Theory, free to download at kitheory.com. We have now met family for Picard, Riker, Warp, Troy, Yar, and even Data. Is Jordy the only member of the crew with no other family? And transmission. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. It's Stangy Law Firm. We represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri.